Hey everyone, welcome back to I Am Gregory. This is Monday, September 30th, and we are in the evening hours. I love the nighttime, it's always fun. Everything's quiet, everything's asleep, and well, we're supposed to be asleep, we're supposed to sleep. Maybe it's this is the hour for um, bad behavior, <laughs> debauchery. All that stuff. Who knows? Who knows? Who cares? So we're here again. And thanks for stopping by. Um, uh, well, I've had a few rough days. An interesting weekend. Uh, very interesting. Um, I got sick. Not a major sick. Not like a. He's being checked into the hospital for possible surgery and life support sick. No. It was a regular roll. I think I got a little bit of a sniffle. And one day later, you're in the bed popping pills and drinking ginger ale, watching shitty movies on TV. Wondering, wondering when will this all be over? You ever have moments like that? You know, one day you're perfectly healthy, you're perfectly fine, you're doing good, you're having all the joys, living the best life, doing all the fun stuff. And a few days later, you're like wondering how you can remove your left or right or both lungs. You don't really need them all the time. If I could just take one out, and just maybe for a minute, wash it out, maybe pour some peroxide down there and clear everything out. Kind of like a kitchen sink. Everything will be all right. Everything will be great. No. Doesn't work that way, but funny because all the fun things, all the cool things you do, they sit, they immediately become insignificant. Like fast food. No, don't care about that anymore. Um, going out, talking to your friends, hanging with your peoples. Now nah, you don't care about that. What we do is Friday night, Saturday night. I don't give a shit about that right now. Why? Because I'm dying. I'm dying. So I was reduced to being a television watcher. That's what I became. Um, let me tell you something. Two days in the bed, you will watch every show that you think you want to watch. Uh, I don't care how much of a Netflix fan you are. You will get tired of it. Um, look, it's just the way it is. So I um, I, I did. I was, like I said, that, that's what I was stuck to. So. Uh, while I'm doing this, I think this um, around day two, late day two, I had an epiphany. I think I was watching a movie. I can't think of what it was, but uh, what was it? Um, I don't know what it was. It was some last insignificant movie. But I'm watching the movie, and I'm like, I know how this ends. And I'd never seen the movie before, so it wasn't like I was watching the movie I'd seen, or even thought I saw. No, I'd never seen this movie before. And I'm like, this is going to happen, that's going to happen, or this is going to happen. And all of a sudden, I realized, that, holy shit. This is why old people don't like young people stuff. I told you, if you've been listening for a while, I have very little transitional material. So you just have to get in the roller coaster cart, lower the bar, hold on for dear life, and just hope you've had fun in the ride. So I'm only going to give a few more disclaimers, and after that, it's just going to be what it is. So I'm like, that's why old people don't like young people stuff. Like, 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 when I was a kid, I would be on, I would be some, I see something on TV and some movie, and 
let's say Star Wars. That's a good one. When I was a kid, I loved Star Wars. I still love Star Wars fans. I really love Star Wars. I love Star Wars so much that I knew every word of the Empire Strikes Back's uh, album. Yes, Empire Strikes Back had an album that came with a book, a picture book, where you could play the album on a record player and you could flip the book and read the book and the sound effects in the background is fucking beautiful. Matter of fact, I wonder if it's still over there in my dad's house. I'm going to go see if it's there. But anyway, I digress. Um, I, for years, thought my dad really loved Star Wars as much as I did. It wasn't until I was much, much older, my 40s or 30s, that I realized he didn't give a shit about it. And... I was like, you didn't like this? Nah, nah, I remember you used to watch that Star Wars stuff and listen to it and you liked it. And I didn't really get it, but as I got a few years older, maybe 10 years older from that point, maybe 10, 12 years old, I don't know. Um, so maybe my 40s, whatever. I started realizing it because my kids started watching stuff that I had no interest in. None whatsoever. And it wasn't that I didn't think that they genuinely didn't like it or have good taste. Because that's what we think sometimes. I was like, wow, I get it now. So if I went back to these movies that I'm watching like this, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking at these movies, and I'm like, I've seen so much stuff. And that's kind of how I rate the relationship back to the older generation, and, our, and my generation, my generation is even younger. And then there's a younger generation. But I look, it's like, you know, soon I'll reach a point where I've seen so much stuff as far as like television or heard so much as far as music that I would have carved out my own section of what I like, what I'm familiar with, and what I will accept. And that would be it. Anything outside of that won't be for me. It's funny how that works, but I think that's that's really how it goes. Um, I had this theory one time with my friend where I was like, uh, I said, I think life is built around 65 years of living. They're like, what you talking about? Sad man. I said, I said, um, I think that everything in this world is built around a certain amount of years. After that, you just along for the ride. If you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. And nobody really cares. And I still hold true to that. Like, if you look at anything, uh, I mean that's an outline. This is in general. This is this doesn't cover everyone, but in general, in general. You have people say, man, back in my day, or nah, I'm not messing with that new stuff. Or, I don't like that. Or, Why did they start doing this? It was so much better then. Well, that's because things are built that way. Cars, how a television show, clothes, it all fits a cycle. So, if I'm sitting in my bedroom watching this movie, I suddenly find that I am not as interested in it as I would have been 10 years ago. Because I've seen it before. And I think that's really where it come, what it comes down to. People have seen so much stuff by the time they reach a certain age that they're just not as excited about it when it pops up again. And if you're like 22 years old, you're just going to the theater and seeing um, The Lord of the Rings. Or you're going to see uh, an Avengers movie or uh, anything that's popular or anything that's exciting. Or you just learned about, let's say, somebody who's maybe in their early teens, late teens, early 20s, just learned about or hearing content from Richard Pryor. Or, no, that's not a good example. Uh, just coming about a comedian, seeing Kevin Hart, Dave Chappelle. Maybe someone who's seen Richard Pryor or um, Don Rickles or all the other comedians will look at these guys and say, man, they, they, they're just like this guy. They're just like that guy. 
So that's just kind of where I kind of how I came to that conclusion, that theory of mine. Uh, so anyway, before I lose track of where I was, I'm watching this movie and I, I turn the TV off. Often. I turn it off. And I just sat there. And I found myself in a place where I'm like, holy shit, am I becoming the used to be generation? Like, uh, at certain points, I think we get to a point where it's like, you were it, and now you're past your it phases to have someone else to be the it's. And when that happens, what 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 becomes of the work the previous it's? We were the it's, like the MTV generation, essentially. You know the uh, Michael Jackson versus Prince generation, the LL Cool J and EPMD generation. You know um, that 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 generation that would be like what what becomes of us? We become. I mean, we become uh, pages in the history books and then a new generation comes along and they start finding their new voices the Bruno Mars, the J. Cole the Katy Perry's and Taylor Swift's and whatnot. Um, they find new stars they find new fame things, things to put their, take their hat on things to make or identify their generation it's funny how those things go it's funny how that happens one of my uh, one of my family members once told me one time. He said, "If you keep living, you'll see everything happen." And I was like, "Die, yeah, okay." So everything happened. Yeah. Well, you may not see everything, but the state was still, uh, still um, valid, still essentially spot on. You see yourself become a generation that's a rebellious one. Do you see things become? No development created out of nothing what was it now is and then you look back and you see someone else is taking your place and I think it's kind of cool you know some people have a hard time dealing with it I don't I don't I I enjoy the ride personally you know I think truly people say man I wish I was your age right now uh, I wish I was 22 years old right now no no I don't no, because I remember myself at 22. I was stupid. Now, if saying I want to wish I was 22, I wish I was your age now, means you don't go back being stupid, then what's the point of that? You know, you get stupid once. And I had my stupid once. I couldn't survive two stupids. I just wouldn't be able to do it. It's kind of funny how it plays out. Funny how it works, you know? So, I guess all that kind of taught me in my sick weekend time to uh, appreciate what you have, appreciate what you had, appreciate what you will have. Uh, it does really put, does put a, an expiration day on life. If you, if, if you think about it, I think the benefit of being in your forties is such, I mean, some people, they have midlife crisis and sometimes they try to recapture you. They look back at you. They feel like they miss some things. They feel like they lose it. And they want to try to recapture it. Everyone approaches it and deal with it differently. I myself look at it at the point and say, hey, this is a check-in point. You know, it's like you get to, you go up a hill and you reach the top and you can look down and say, well, no more climbing. This is as high as I ever be. Now it's time for the downward spiral. This is where stuff starts breaking because you know when that downhill is descending, that's when you hurt yourself and you fall, slip, roll down a hip, break a hip, roll down the hill, break a hip. That's where all the stuff goes wrong. 
So you can look at it like that. Or you can say, hey, look, I realize that I got more life behind me than I do ahead of me. Or maybe not. Who knows? But it's guaranteed. It's a better chance that you get to 40 from zero than to 80 from 40. And at 80, you're not going to be what you are at 40. You know, right now, in your, in your 40s, you can feel pretty good. You're not going to feel as good at 80. I've, I've had family members of their late 80s and 90s and so forth. They were alive. They were healthy. But you know, you never say about a 40-year-old, hey, he's healthy. He's doing good for his age. You don't say that unless they really have a problem. So I realize that 80 will be a, he's doing good for his age. He's he's alert and everything. Look, at dad is just moving around. He's just going about his way. Dad, do you need me to do anything for you? No one asked me to do shit for me now. When you're 80, that's when you know you're old, they're going to ask you to do shit for you. Because they don't want you to hurt themselves, yourself, and then they have to take you to the doctor and sit there with you and explain why you hurt yourself for four hours. So, that's how I use that opportunity. I look at that and say, okay, 40 to 50, 50 to 60, 60 to 70. All right, let's do 30-year increments. Am I going to be positive about it? Be excited about it? But I look forward to it. And I choose to look forward to it. So, Next time you look at a movie on TV and you start looking around and you wonder how you know how you know it's gonna how how do you know the ending already or how have you already uh determined who the bad guy, who the good guy is, you figure out the plot. Just take into consideration your age and how much you've seen. Not in a bad way, but look at it in a good way. You know, be positive about it. That's my two cent on that. I was reading some articles online today, and they were, let's see, I don't know, kind of fuzzy on this one. I'm kind of still thinking about it here, so I'm going to try my best to kind of just ball through it a little bit and see where I land on it. This is a freestyle response. I like this. It's interesting to do this. I don't know where it's going to go. So let's see. Everybody buckle in. So, checking out a little article online today. Um, about comedian Marlon Wayans, comedian actor Marlon Wayans, Marlon Wayans, Sean Wayans, and the Wayans family. Um, apparently, there was a case being reopened on him. And I'm, I'm just going to highlight this one. Basically, Marlon Wayans back in 2015, I think, was working on a movie set. And one of the extras on the, on the movie set, or the movie he was in, Haunted House, a Haunted House 2. Uh, charged him or suing him because uh, what's, he, what's he saying here? Well, basically he made fun of him. It started with a tweet he made comparing my man to uh, Cleveland Brown from the Cleveland Brown show the way he looked. And I'm looking at the picture and I'm like, yeah, yeah maybe a little bit. He just thinks, yeah, he kind of favors him a little bit. So the dude... <sighs> Didn't take Kylie to that. And in addition to that, apparently Marlon was cracking on him on the set. Just give him a hard time. You know, razz him a little bit, as comedians do. Now, Marlon's taking the position that I'm a comedian. This is what comedians do. This is how we are. You work on a comedic set. This this is to be expected. Hey. The guy's like, look, I didn't appreciate this shit. It bothered me. It irritated me. I felt embarrassed. Whatever, 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 whatever. So now I'm going to sue you. Now, the two lower, the lower courts, let's see what the state, whatever, courts, decided that, yep, 
it wasn't hurtful. Dude grow up. It didn't bother you. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. That's not what they said. But they ruled against him. Say, hey, look, comedic. Uh, uh, I'm going to read it because I'm, 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 I'm going to say something horrible when I, if I try to paraphrase it. <laughs> it says, as Tyler Jones said, Peter, in fact, this one judge said he did like Cleveland and that Marlon's antics were protected under free speech. Uh, an appellate court upheld that ruling as well. But now the California Supreme Court has opened the case again and asked them to review it again. So, there's two sides to this for me. The one side of Greg that says, look, if I go to work and I go work with a boxer and the boxer starts sparring with me and you know, just jab me, light jab, whatever, whatever. Am I expected as a cameraman or extra on a boxer's movie set to be hit by a boxer? I would be very upset. And some would say, well, great, that's different because boxer would actually be hitting you. Let's say he's not hitting you. Let's say the boxer just shadow boxing with me a little bit. Just, he never hits me, but you know, he's like up close to personal. Every day I got to go to work and be ready for the boxer shit. So I would say no. That's one part of it. Now, the other side of that, the other side of Greg says, well, they're just jokes. they just jokes. And I saw the tweet when he put it out back in way back when, four years ago. I didn't think much of it. Matter of fact, I had forgotten about it until the case came back up. This all resurfaced. So I say, hey, look, let it go, brother. Uh, it's not that big a deal. Just chill. Whatever, laugh about it. If not, just tell Martin, hey, Martin, look, I wish you'd talk best with me because I don't like this shit. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. But at least you let the man know, hey, how you feel about it. Now, I'm not saying he did do that, but that's the other side. So, falling in the middle, I would probably agree with someone where they would, where they just say that. Someone should be allowed a reasonable level of comfort while they're working on a set and a reasonable level of creative freedom when you're working on a movie set and a level of expectation. Now, it said that level of expectation should be done at some point. So it gets kind of difficult. That That's where it gets difficult. Uh, is it worth suing somebody in my opinion? No. It's not. Because I don't see where suing someone would write that wrong. It seems to be me to me, it seems to me that maybe he's more bothered, or at least I would be more bothered about the onset antics than I would about the meme. The meme would be the ice of the cake. That would be on over the top. That would be like a and now he done did this shit. That would be the ice on the top. Ice on the cake. Now take it over the top. Ice on the cake. The straw that broke the camel's back. The last straw. The last nerve. Whatever phrase you want to be. That would be it. So, and mind you, I'm thinking, I'm thinking as high as we go. I'm thinking as high as we go. So, and I'm, I'm drawing a picture in my head. I'm going to work. I'm an extra on the set. And this comedian who gets paid. He, for a living, that's what his career is, just to just 
be funny. And I got to think about the, the crowd around, the people that work on the because A lot of people are just happy he's not messing with them, but then he's making them laugh, he's making the day wonderful. Um, I'm, 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 I think I'm walking this back a little bit. I think I'm walking this back a little bit. Uh, do I do I agree with it? Uh, well, I can't say I, I can't say whether I agree with it or not because I don't. Yeah, I guess I don't have the actual moments that the, the actual on job experience. I don't have. I can't see what happened. But I I, I feel like as a person, whether you're a comedian or not, I think you should be able to feel the pulse of the people around you, the audience. Tell the audience if the audience is being bothered or if someone being bothered by what you're doing, you. To some degree, have a respect. You have a responsibility to um, avoid or curb that behavior because if someone's not enjoying what you're doing as a comedian and they're the butt of your joke, then you should stop. If someone's feeling uncomfortable, I think you should stop. I do. Like, there been times I've been making jokes, we're cracking, my friends cracking, and everybody so it just gets on a roll and they just start killing you. It's like killing you. After a while, it becomes less funny and more hurtful. And you can see that person is done. Like, I'm done. I'm done. I can't come back. I can't come back with nothing. This, 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 this whatever they got you on, just that role. And if I think about day after day after day, let's say a movie says three months, and let's say you, the two of you are together on set eight weeks. For that eight weeks, every day you go and do a set with a dude, he is roasting you. Yeah, I think, I think that'll be a problem. I think that'll be a problem. Um, if it's not enjoyable and somebody's definitely uncomfortable, I can see that. We're talking about a professional comedian. We're not talking about a funny guy at your job. We're talking about somebody who does this for a living. Someone who does nothing but jokes. He's this, his bread and butter is made off comedy. He has angles that he can pull out that you can't even think of. So, yeah, I, I can see somebody being frustrated. I, I can see it being frustration, frustrating. And the tweet just be the last straw. That's it. That's what it put it in. Imagine that. Think about it. Think about it. Let's say you go to work every day. Don't, don't, don't scratch that. Let's say you go to school every day. And in your classroom is a young D.L. Hughley. The D.L. gets to class every day, 15 minutes before the first kid. Sits in the back so you can see the door, everybody coming in from the door. And just starts roasting on people every day. And then you have to be one that's last, but he gets the best jokes off of you because he warmed up. I tell you, you did. Imagine that every day for a year or a semester. What would that do to you? It would do one of two things, I think. One, it would make it would, it would destroy your confidence. It would make you feel very uh, uh, anxious. You could, I can see you potentially being something having some sort of anxiety. It could make it hard for you to concentrate in school. It could make that a horrible place to be, a living nightmare. Or it could make you a bit of a monster. It could make you really funny, really, really aggressive, really, 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 really quick on your toes, and thick-skinned. But those are two extremes. You know, you can either become really funny and tough, resilient, or you can basically become a destroyed, emotionally destroyed person. There's a lot of gray area there. Now, I think this guy got probably falls in the gray area. He's a grown man. He didn't feel like he uh, should be coming to work and ridiculed, ridiculed every day. Um, 
it, it wasn't a thing of trying to make him tougher. He was just a butt of the jokes. And by the way, that grade, that, that school um, example I gave was an actual real example. I actually went to school like that, had that happen. I was the last of two or three kids to walk in the classroom, and all day, all we did was crack jokes all day. And I wasn't the funny one in the class. I wasn't the funniest one. I basically had to take jokes from the time I walked into class in the morning to the last class of the day for a whole year, every day. Now, I won't say how it turned out, but it didn't destroy me emotionally. I just leave it at that. So, yeah, I I I, I um I don't know if he then when Marlon Wayans is probably apologized and said it is me. Or if he went off the, I'm the comedian and this is what we do. On stage, in a show, I get it. That is that is fair game. That is their temple. When you work with someone making a movie, I, I think I see that a little differently. So we'll see how this plays out. Um, I don't think it warrants me taking the court, but I think there's a, definitely this is the, the, um, no harm, no foul type thing. I think some sort of uh, compromise needs to be made. Whether it be like, hey, look, man, apologize. Sorry about that. You know, I shouldn't have done it. I ain't know about it like that. Something like that. Or not. I mean, you got to acknowledge at least the dude was irritated enough. I mean, it, it bothered him enough to go this far. It did. So I couldn't imagine being cracked on my dick, Marlon Wayans all day. I could imagine that. So, yeah. So, all right, folks, that looks like that's all we have for tonight. Who the hell is we? <laughs> Let's roll that back. Well, all right, folks, that's all we have for tonight. That's all we have. Ah, yeah, it's always an appropriate time to use an appropriate language. Broken English. Ah, so that's it for the night, Monday night. Let's see what happens Tuesday. I'm trying to see if I'm gonna make it to work and get up in the morning and do all the shit that we all love to do. So uh, we'll see how that goes tomorrow. All right, yo, everybody, have a good night's sleep and uh, let's do this again tomorrow. Have a great day. Good night.